Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Security Ledger podcast. I'm your host, Paul Roberts, editor at the Security Ledger. Government surveillance has been getting a lot of attention in recent weeks with the leak of classified intelligence about spying by the National Security Agency. The NSA was using information provided by U.S. telecommunications and Internet firms, including Verizon, Facebook, Google, and Apple, to surveil individuals it suspected of being terrorists. The stories have revealed the very different legal standards that govern electronic communications and more traditional communications, such as phone and postal mail, and they put many Internet users in search of technology that will keep their private conversations and thoughts, well, private. Our guest today, Mike Jenke, is the CEO of Silent Circle, a Silicon Valley startup that promises to do just that. Using a team of some of the world's best cryptographers, Silent Circle designed and built applications that protect the communications of mobile phones from unwanted intrusion and surveillance. In our interview, Jenke talked about the complex relationship that Silent Circle has with the government, which relies on the company's technology, but is also suspicious of its ability to protect individuals that the government might want to surveil. Hi, my name is Mike Janke. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Silent Circle. We're the world's global encrypted communications firm. Mike, thanks for coming on to the uh, Security Ledger podcast. We really are excited to have you. Thanks, Paul. I'm excited to be here. Tell us a little bit about what it is that Silent Circle does. Silent Circle, uh, first and foremost, is a global encrypted communications firm. And we have four products that are part of a subscription. So we're actually a service. We have two apps. One is called Silent Phone, which is mobile encrypted voice and video worldwide. The other is called Silent Text, which is a encrypted text as well as a file transfer mechanism. We have a PGP encrypted email, and we have a desktop encrypted video teleconferencing similar to Skype. What we are doing today, uh, you couldn't do three years ago because the, the, the phone you hold in your hand is basically a, a, a full-fledged, powerful computer. The other side of that is there was nothing out there. There was a bits and pieces of uh, a product there, a freemium app there, but there wasn't a global communication service that individuals from Tibet, Tunisia, or Toledo could subscribe to and bring back their privacy, whether it's having a phone call with their attorney, uh, doing business, uh, whether it is sending files, uh, whether it is um, you know the transfer of PowerPoints. Um, and we originally built this uh, with the, the private individual around the world in mind. But we were unprepared for the onslaught of business and government that shared the same problem. Um, and, you know, being a former SEAL myself, I liken cryptography to explosives. It may be a bad analogy, but for my frame of reference, if it's not implemented correctly, it could be disastrous. So you need... Uh, uh, somebody, you know, like a Phil Zimmerman, the creator of the world's most used encryption, and a John Callis. Encryption not implemented correctly is disastrous. So it's a very, very unique skill to do on a global scale. 
It's interesting because we spoke when uh, out at the RSA conference in February, um, and I got a demonstration of your technology. At that time, I think the problem was framed very much in terms of, you know, uh, advanced persistent threat, and you know, you've got executives who are traveling abroad and and who might be the targets of corporate or state-sponsored espionage. Um, that's all really changed in the last few weeks as there have been these revelations about really domestic surveillance going on, some of which we knew about, but you know, now we know about in a lot more detail. How has that impacted your business and also you know, your messaging? Our early adopters were most certainly special operations units, uh, government agencies, so we knew that that was actually a sweet spot because they had a mobile issue. But over the last week, to answer the second part of your question, we have seen a day-over-day day 400% increase. That's day-over-day day of the last four days. You know, John, Phil, Vinny, and I thought we could build a nice business culminating three years later with, say, a million subscribers. In the past five months, we've had to move our office space three times the larger space. We need to be literally at about 100-plus people today. We're at 62, but it, as you know, it's not easy to find senior, experienced engineers. So it's, it's been a rapid, rapid change, unlike what we ever imagined. Um, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, and I should say that this conversation actually is is happening over your network, right? So this is you are talking to us via your cell phone, um, and uh, this is an you know on, on your end anyway. It's an encrypted conversation, right? That is correct. I am actually driving on the East Coast from DC up to New York, and I am calling from my iPhone utilizing Silent Phone our out-circle access, which means I'm encrypted from me uh, here on the highway um, all the way up to our network in Canada, but I'm open to you. Right. So um, I, I probably shouldn't do that, you know, but uh, what the heck, you know, let's see how, the, how it works. One of the sort of scary things about the revelations about PRISM and the Verizon um, wiretap, I guess if you want to call it that, was this notion that, you know, you can have uh, upstanding, right-minded companies like Google and Facebook that have been very forthright about, you know, uh, protecting the privacy of their users and yet the government can come along with a national security letter and, and basically say, you know, we want the data and you can't even talk about it. Um, you can't tell right. your users that this is going on. You can't respond to reporters who might be asking about it. This is entirely uh, classified. Um, and so I guess to play devil's advocate, so you're saying, well, go through Silent Circle. We're, we're secure. There are people out there who are going to say, well, yeah, now, great. Uh, the government just needs to go to Silent Circle and say, you know, we need to look at uh, the, the the activity of these users, and uh, you know, here's our national security letter, and uh, just keep your button buttoned, because <laughs> you know this is about uh, national security. Well, that's an absolute great question, Paul. And we thought about this two plus years ago. We knew the legal environment. We knew the national security letters, the FISA Act how the subpoenas worked. So we built our entire products, company, and architecture 
based upon what we call minimal data retention. We knew that the laws could work against us, but they can also work for us. Right now, legally, our architecture is based on peer-to-peer, device-to-device encryption, or ephemeral keys. CRTP, which was the protocol created by Phil Zimmerman, basically the keys are generated on the device. And after that call, that text, that document is sent, that video chat is done, the keys are deleted. So we don't hold the keys. So under the current laws, here, Europe, and and most of the first world, we cannot be forced to change that architecture as a company. Second, we built this minimal data retention architecture, which means if we looked in the future and said, okay, we know we're going to get national security letters and subpoenas, we could be forced to turn stuff over, what's the minimal we could actually retain so that we're compliant with those letters? And that's why it took us two years to build this. So all that we retain, the username that you choose, a password that you use for your account to log into our website, and the 10-digit number that we issue you, 10-digit phone number, right? We do not have the credit card information, any of your name, your address. That's held separately by a credit card processor, the one that we chose was Stripe out of Ireland because they enabled us to put a firewall where when you purchase, you go directly to them and legally under contract, we have no access to that anywhere. The third part of it is we don't do IP logging. Our network aggregates any IP, obfuscates and immediately deletes it after that IP has pinged our network. So we wanted to be as completely transparent and explain even things that people probably either didn't care or don't know about on it of what we do. And a lot of it's been education. We have, you know, the FBI is a customer of ours, yet they come down many, many times over the last seven months. Uh, they're technical people and other people to know, you know, what, how did you guys do this? Um, so if we send you a subpoena, a silent circle, what could we expect? And we say, here's the three things, username, password, and the 10-digit phone number. And um, it's been about educating. Now, the flip side of that is the Intel networks are mostly focused outside our borders. I say mostly because when you look at PRISM, that's obviously not the case. So we've had less questions about what could we get from you as opposed to we really want to test your product because we're purchasing it for overseas use um, from the Intel agencies. Right now, we count eight Intel agencies from both uh, North America, Europe, and South America as bulk customers. And um, their major interaction with us has been about the product itself, making sure it's peer-to-peer, reviewing the code, running it through whatever tests they, they do on their end before they purchase. It's really been the domestic FBI and law enforcement that's been asked the questions. How did you guys build it? Um, I'm sure they're looking at, yes, it does fall within the legal structure that we can't force them to, you know, change the physical architecture of their technology. Why is that important? Because in October of last year, I believe it was November, you saw the FBI general counsel come out and say, oh, my God, we're going dark. Um, You know, we can't can't get information because they've architecturally built it, so they can't, and we need to change the laws. That was shortly, 
you know, three weeks after multiple visits to Silent Circle. So they know that the law is, is in a sense, protecting us, that we can't be forced to change it. So that's really the lay of the land, where the Google, the Microsoft, and all those other companies build their structure based upon data collection. That's what they're in the business of. So you may see an Apple say, well, we have this real low-level encryption on iMessage. Sure you do. But the keys are on the server. It's PKI infrastructure, right? So any subpoena, they can decrypt everything. We don't. Has Silent Circle received national security letters? We have not. And uh, we put on our website, we will post uh, every six months any letter, subpoena, any contact we get, who it was from, and what it related to. But, you know, I, I think... Even if really it's a national security time, letter? Because you're not even supposed to be able to say we got one, right? I mean... You can say we didn't well, get one. Well, that, that's the trick. Right. That's the trick. Right. We can say that we did receive it, but we can't say who, how, or when. Oh, is that right? So um, you can say we received one, but you can't You can't say what it was about. Right. Okay. All right. Right. I didn't understand but, that. But, you know, we knew that coming, coming into it. So um, we worked a lot with the ACLU and Privacy International and EFF to find out exactly what we could do to try to kind of be a first of a security firm to say, we want it within the law to sh- show and say everything. Right. And uh, I believe from the day we launched all the way up to like January, those 60, 70 days, even before RSA, um, we've had phone calls or personal visits from law enforcement and intelligence agencies, both here and in Europe, um, you know, getting to know a little bit about our architecture Right. Does that get uncomfortable for you? I mean, there is a fine line between, you know, we want to use this, we want to be able to take advantage of it and, you know, use it internally. And, you know, they're sniffing around to try and figure out how to circumvent this. Yeah, that's a great question. And and we've got a great education in it over the last seven months. And you can tell by the way they dress, actually, which department it is. The guys from these groups that come in that want to buy, they're kind of, you know, more of a look of a regular, I guess, person like you and I. You right, know, jeans, right. Maybe a collared shirt. And the only questions they ask about is, okay, we tested the code. What are you doing with this? Uh, can we, you know, this, that, and the other. And then they talk, you know, about, well, we'd like to buy, you know, a couple hundred. Then the other group comes in in suit and ties with briefcases, and it's all lawyers. And all they want to ask about is, you know, uh, so you did this, so your architecture is that. Um, you know, if we if we have an issue and we need to send a subpoena, so you're saying you can only turn over this, and, and our technical people have to explain to them, here's how the architecture works. We're absolutely right. Here's the law. And then we don't hear from them. So that's been the weird interaction from a, 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 a point of view of mine, how you can tell. Right. Um, you know, folks have said that uh, one of the things that's come out of PRISM and and, and uh, all these revelations is, you know, we really need to update the Electronic Communications Privacy Act, that we really have a double standard here between the contents of letters and, and telephone conversations and then, you know, the metadata that's, you know, and then email and the metadata that your phone is now collecting apart from the conversations that you're having um, and that, you know, the metadata is equally as useful in figuring out who you are and what you're up to as the, the content of your conversations. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, 
it, it depends. It depends upon what they're looking for. Um, you know, I, I guess I would answer that with the statement that, um, you know, it's, it's, they have so many tools available to them today that this kind of this cry in the dark that we're going blind is very hollow. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're a silent circle user and uh, they know they can't come to us to get anything, they can get a subpoena in like three minutes to, to you know, get your devices. Yes, we use ephemeral keys, but what other things do you store on your iPad, you know, Paul? What, what do I store that they can get? The other is geolocation. There is any, if you have a phone on your hip, the minute you turn it on, it's pinging a cell tower. So they know the time, the place, the location. Now, with traffic analysis, of course, with Silent Circle, they're not going to be able to hear what you said, see what you sent, what you texted, or the video chat. But they're going to know Paul, his phone at this date and time, at this cell network, and he connected to this other phone in London at this date, this time, and that place. So they do correlation from there. The, the last and ultimate area tool that they have is a zero-day exploit. They can own your device. Now, that's more of a nation-state thing that they hold close, where if you're on the top 20 terrorist wanted list, they can own your device in a heartbeat. And they're not going to expend that zero day on, you know, Mike Janky who got a traffic ticket. So they have so many other tools available to them, let alone law enforcement. How about gumshoe, you know, investigation, right? So um, this kind of this hollow cry, oh, my God, you know, silent circle, doesn't have the info and we're going dark, it's really, uh, you know, they have seven mechanisms to get that data. Metadata is one of them. You know, as well as I do, email is fundamentally broken. There's just no doubt about it. No matter the tweaks that our, you know, John Callis and his team have put together on PGP Universal, you know, he's the creator of it that, that was sold to Semantic. We put some obfuscation and some unique tweaks to ours, but that doesn't stop the, the header and the footer and, you know, your ISP information. So it's important that we tell people what we are but what we're not so that they can better defend themselves if they really have that, that desire. Are you worried uh, or do you worry that privacy is going to become uh, yet another luxury? In other words, people who are, you know, educated and informed and savvy – will be able to take advantage, will be able to protect their information, whereas people who are not uh, will be kind of at the at the mercy of uh, whomever out there wants their data, whether that's a, a business or the government or or what have you. Yes, and, and I'm afraid, yes. I mean, you know, I guess an, another way to put it would be, uh, you know, at Silent Circle, North America makes up just a third of our customer base. The rest of it is the rest of the world. And, you know, I had a, um, a, a CTO of uh, a European pretty large manufacturing firm in our office Tuesday. And he, they, they're a customer of ours. They've bought several thousand. And he said to me, Mike, you know, no offense, but you Americans, you look at things so differently, it gives us a chuckle. You know, the headlines, oh, my God, the NSA is actually looking at our stuff. He said, us in Europe and other parts of the world understand that there are 72 countries that have NSA-like agencies, and their mandate is to snoop on everything. So if you're in Europe, 
you're not worried about just your host nation. There are like 30 others around you that are attacking your your data in the air and other companies and hacking. That's that's an overwhelming tide of you know offensive stripping of privacy for the law-abiding citizen. Then I would flip the coin over and say, what about the commercial side, right? Paul, you're you're not the customer anymore. Your data is right. The the gold coming out of the ground today is data. It's not oil. So you have these giant companies. Yes, that they got in trouble for Prism. Why? They make their living off of gathering your data. Everything from the shoe you bought to the you know the books you're buying to the websites you read. It's collated, packaged, and sold several times a day. So we are under assault for the protection of our privacy, whatever level of privacy you want, uh, the minute you hit the on button. So our goal at Silent Circle to really make this a global third alternative layer as we build out more and more products to provide people with some way, doesn't matter your, your religion, your station in life, where you were born, to be able to do that. The problem is, you brought up, it costs money to do what we're doing. So you saw we lowered our prices, and, and the main reason being we became so profitable so quickly, you, you, don't, you don't need to sell it for $20 a month subscription. So as we build out more and more products, our goal is to make it more feasible and economical for people, whether they're in sub-Saharan Africa or you know, in, in the Caucasus that have smartphones, because they're ubiquitous now. It doesn't matter what country, and you can get a, a pretty decent smartphone for 100 bucks. Uh, last question. I saw uh, the folks over at Vice tweet that they had been in to visit you guys and talk about your technology. Were you, um, were you guys prepared for Jeez. the hipsters from Vice visiting and checking out what you do and, and uh, everything that's come uh, you know, last, in the last few weeks? I would love to say yes, but the answer is, you know, with an average age of 42, absolutely not. You know, I'll tell you a real funny thing. We were sitting in a room, and these reporters, so you're right, they're very much hipsters, you know, 24, 28. And here we are, you know, Phil, John, me, and a couple other guys in our 50s and 40s. And uh, this one reporter from Vice made the comment, you know, you guys are like the grateful dead of encryption. And we all break, <laughs> broke up laughing. That's what it feels like, right? You know, but we were ill-prepared um, uh, for this this veritable, you know, onslaught of people. It was kind of like an event horizon. They they may have suspected it. They may have read some tinfoil on the head articles that, oh, the NSA's, you know, in your knickers. And then to see it splashed all over the news in the front page in such depth for so long really told people, oh, my God, uh, I'd like to do something. Mike, thank you very much for taking the time, and um, I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking to you again. Hey, thanks, Paul. It's always a pleasure. Much appreciated. Great. Mike Jenke is the CEO and co-founder of Silent Circle. Mike, thanks for joining us on the Security Ledger podcast. Thanks.